So worship. I'm just going to pray as well, if that's okay, because God, we just want to um, commit all of what's going to be said this morning um, to be to your glory, uh, to your honour. Um, and Lord, Lord God, I ask that your name would be lifted high um, through what we're going to think about and how we're going to move forward from today. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so worship. Um, as you know, both Adam and I are pretty into worship. <laughs> we, like, uh, we like a bit of uh, worship music playing in our house. We like to, to sing. It's one of the, the ways that both of us really connect with um, our Father and, and, and enjoy. It's one of the things we really enjoy about Christian life, if you like. So obviously worship is not just singing. It's not really the focus of today. I'm not going to go massively into how worship's a lifestyle, and that's all true. Um, but we are going to be thinking about those times when we meet with God um, through sung worship. Can be people dance. I'm a terrible dancer, um, but people can dance. Like I see people dancing in worship, and it's amazing. So worshiping God through movement or painting, people do things like these, these things that we just really express our gratitude and our honour to, to God. That's what I'm talking about this morning. So all of our lives should be um, lives that honour the Lord and um, show him that we, um, that we uh, want to exalt him, we want to glorify him. Um, but what we're talking about today is, is those times of worship in the presence of God, if you like. Um, so the, the word worship, it comes from Old English, meaning worthy. It's us telling God how worthy he is. It's us doing... Am I doing something wrong here? Is this going in and out? Um, It's us telling God how worthy he is. It's us honouring him. It's us bringing glory to his name. So we're going to go a little little bit more into that, about what it's not, and perhaps some of the things that we sometimes make it to be. Um, But just to to set that tone, really, that worship is about telling God that he's worthy. So it comes from an old English word, worth. Spelt W-E-O-R-T-H. Um, we're going to think about where it is, where we are when this happens. Um, so really the location, spiritually, of where we are when we're bringing wor- our worship to God. Um, we're in a spiritual place when we do it. Um, it's something that happens, you know, that, that, that um, verse in spirit and in truth, it means that we connect with God in a spiritual way when we're worshipping. But there is um, more to it than just sort of a, a, an un... An um, un, um, defined weird place. It's not that. We are entering into a spiritual place. And that spiritual place is the throne room of heaven. It's the throne room of our Lord and Saviour. Um, when Jesus went into heaven after he was, died and was resurrected, in Matthew 16, 19, it says that he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, the right hand of God. He's with God in heaven now. It's a physical place. And when we are in worship, we enter into that place in a a spiritual way. I hope this is making sense. But we're going to look at what that really means and what it's not and what it used to be and how privileged we are that it's not that anymore. Um, So what I want to do is just draw your attention to your handout. Hopefully you can all see one. You don't need to be able to see all the detail. Um, You don't need to be able to read every single label and things like that. But I just want you to take... um, take a bit of notice of that image um, and what is going on there and what that is, is the tabernacle um, that the Israelites had when they were in the wilderness so being the generation that was led by Moses round and round the wilderness 
they um, erected this tabernacle. And it's something that represented the presence of God to them. And as you can see, it's quite big. You can see the um, size comparison there compared to a football field. It's quite a large area. There's a big outside area that every, people could have gone into. You've then got like a tent, the bit that's got the um, material bit over the top um, with a, uh, a large curtain across it. So where you've got sort of three, four, five, six, seven and the, the candlestick, the lampstand, that's the holy place. Only priests could have gone in there. You've then got where number three is, you've got another veil, a really thick curtain of fine linen. And behind that is the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was what the Israelites had to represent the presence of God. But it was behind several layers of barrier. Um, It's not somewhere that you could just go to whenever you wanted, far from it. Let's have a, a little bit more information about that. So the Holy of Holies was the innermost chamber in the wilderness temple. It's a room so sacred that only one person could enter it, and then only one day in the entire year. The room was a perfect cube, about 15 feet in each direction. So I worked that out visually. That's about two atoms each side of the square, <laughs> roughly. Yeah. I was going to ask him to lay down. I thought, no, I better not do that. But just to get an image of how big it is. Yeah, probably, probably from me to Bronwyn Square, something like that. Um, the only object in there was the Ark of the Covenant, and there was no light inside that chamber other than the glow from God's glory. Let's just take that in for a minute. Um, my sister and Nora Adam's sister, they're having some building work done at the moment, and um, one of the things they're doing is putting a shower room inside another room. And she sent a little video yesterday, and she was talking about how we're going to get light in this room. They've got little... Slit window at the top, and then they're going to put another little window here to let light in from that room, just so it doesn't feel too dark and boxy in there. No need for that in this situation. It's completely blocked off from all natural light, but there was a glow from the presence of God on the Ark of the Covenant. Just blows my mind a little bit. There's then a thick embroidered veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Inside the tent of meeting... Regular priests were allowed into the holy place. Not everybody, just the priests. And only, you could only be a priest if you were from the tribe of, of Levi, so only, only if you were a Levite. Um, the holy of holies could be entered by the high priest on the annual day of atonement. That's it. And on that day, the high priest would bathe. He'd put on clean linen garments. His robe had bells on the bottom. And the noise of the bells would tell people that he was making atonement for their sins when he was inside the Holy of Holies. When he went inside, he would have um, a sensor of burning incense that would produce a really thick smoke, which hid him from the mercy seat on the ark. Because if he saw that, if he saw God, he would die. And I think probably the bells had a secondary purpose as well, because if they stopped the people outside would know something had maybe gone a bit wrong. And I have heard it said that people, the high priest would have a rope tied around his ankle in case things did not go well so they could get him back out again. That is the power of the Holy of Holies. Um, the high priest would then sprinkle blood of a sacrificed bull and a sacrificed goat on the atonement cover of the ark to make amends for the people and his sin, his and the people's sins. 
we don't have to do that anymore. We don't go to a physical place to be in the presence of God. After this tabernacle, there was a stone-built temple in Jerusalem, and that's where people would go. And there'd still be a holy of holies there. There was still a a, a veil. It was only the high priest. It was just in a a brick-built building, stone-built building. Now, God dwells in us. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. We don't go to a 15-foot square room if we're at the high priest once a year. We don't put our trust in one man doing this for us on one day of the year with all these rituals of sanctification, so many stipulations to protect him, so much risk involved in, in that act of going in, into the Holy of Holies. Um, we don't have to rely on that anymore. We have free access into the presence of God to worship him. We, I think we take it for granted a little bit. I think we say, oh yeah, let's worship God. And we don't, we don't go in. A lot of the time we don't even go in. But we can. When we worship God, we can be in that place that is glowing because of his glory. That is so powerful, if you approach it in the wrong way, can cause a man to die. That's where we go when we worship God. And what we don't have to do anymore is fear. We don't have to fear that we might put a rope around my my leg in case this goes wrong when I go and worship God. We don't have that fear anymore because Jesus has paid that price. We don't have to wash and dress a certain way and sanctify ourselves and and hope that this one day of the year it goes okay and we're, we're, we're deemed as righteous enough to enter on behalf of a whole nation. Jesus covers us in his righteousness. Let me get something clear. We don't live in an age where God's calmed down. And God said, yeah, that's okay. Don't need to worry about, you know, being so righteous anymore. I've kind of chilled out a bit. God got a bit soft in the New Testament. Sometimes we can think that. We can think, well, the Old Testament, you know, God would strike people down dead and his powerful presence was so awe-inspiring. But now we've got Jesus and it's all all right. And we kind of go, oh, God got kinder. No, he didn't. The stakes are just as high. God is just as holy as he was then. But we've been given access that has made us righteous in his eyes through the righteousness that Jesus puts on us. That's his righteousness that never fails. There's never a day where we might need to doubt, oh, is Jesus going to be righteous enough for me today? He always will be. He always has been. And he gives it to us. He clothes us in his righteousness so that we can enter personally into God's presence when we worship him. So, let's look at Revelation 4 now. We're going to take a bit of time to think about what this throne room is like. I've said it's a spiritual place. I've said it's somewhere that we can go in spirit and in truth when we worship God. But it's also a real place. It's not a fantasy place. It's not somewhere that we just imagine and kind of you know, dream about. This is a, we're going to look at Revelation 4, which is John's vision into heaven, and this is what he saw. And this is real, and this is true. Um, so if you've got Revelation 4 in front of you, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read the whole thing, so it's, I think, 11 verses. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard 
speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven and one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. From the thrones came flashes of lightning and rumblings and pearls of thunder. And before the throne there were seven burning torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And... Before their throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And on the throne, on each side, around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes, in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. And the third living creature, with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature, like an eagle, in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say. Can I just note that present tense? Not they did. Day and night they never cease. Right now. They never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, Lord, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by you they will exist and were created. That's happening right now in heaven and we get to join in. When we worship God, we are spiritually entering that same throne room, that, that throne room that we just read about with the sea of glass, with the crazy creatures with eyes all over them that we can't even really imagine it because it is so wonderful and we get to go there and we get to experience some of God's presence. We know that we, um, we won't know it in full until we're there in heaven, but we get to go into that place with confidence because of what Jesus has done. Um, can I ask you to have a think through that um, chapter that we've just read and just a few people just kind of share their favourite phrase the thing that jumps out of them from that, from that chapter for me it's, um, it's the sea of glass and it's just this idea of this crystal clear water all around it's just something quite powerful in that so any, thank you Natalie's going to come around with the mic so anything that jumps out at you that you just think wow Anything that strikes you, anything that you've got a question about, anything at all that you want to just share from Revelation 4 and, and tell us why, it'd be great. I know this is going on to the next chapter, but to me, the most amazing thing is that the Lamb of God is sitting in the middle of all this. That our Saviour, our crucified Lord, is in the middle of this throne. 
Yeah, please go on and read the next chapter. Do that. Don't just read this chapter. That's great to read it um, and to have that context. That's brilliant. Thank you. I think the first verse is the most significant when it says there was a door standing open mm. that heaven is open to oh, anybody who wants to access it. Uh, there isn't anybody excluded. Uh, as uh, Liz said, we can go through um, every t- any day, any time. And uh, we need to really take that on board. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Jonathan and Adai as well. <laughs> yeah, I've already mentioned um, what highlights to me is when it says, and they rest not day or night. So, yeah. So when it's day or night, it's constant, it never stops. So as it is in heaven, it is on earth as well. We replicate that day and night. The thing that amazes me is uh, the rainbow because it surrounds the throne, but it's like an emerald. It's like, how is a rainbow like an emerald? It's like all these things, like the sea is, is like a crystal, and you're like, I don't, I don't even understand that. Um, the, the verse that stuck out to me is at once the Holy Spirit gave me a vision. There, at once the Holy Spirit gave me a vision, there, there in front of me was the throne in heaven who was once sitting on it, with someone sitting on it. Because, because um, the Holy Spirit is like a messenger. So I was, it just stuck out to me because like, you're just in awe of this one person sitting on the throne. And just like, there's no words for it. And it's just it's in raw emotion. And it's just, you just, Sorry, that's like, wow. Daddy's built a big tower. Are you asking me? Well, uh, no. Um, There's probably a book you can read where somebody has spent months and years researching and Gordon looks like he's got an answer I'm going to hand over to Gordon um, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff I'll share in the group but each of the four gospels are represented by each of those animals um, yeah, I, I can't remember which one groups but there's imagery and significance whether that's that man has kind of somehow tried to shoehorn the gospels into something just to make sense of it um, but yeah there's a lot of stuff about the four gospels being represented by those four things there you go um, yeah so there's going to be lots, but also we'll find out one day. And I think that's important. I think that we don't try and understand it all because I think then we go, okay, it fits neatly into my understanding of the world. And I can understand that image. Or I can, when, um, when we get to heaven, we're not going to have known anything like it before. And if we don't want to, because otherwise it's not anything as special as it actually is. It's not nice if you're the kind of person that wants to know all the answers, but actually not knowing is, is part of it, I think, sometimes too. Did anyone else want to say anything from that chapter before? Yeah. Oh, Natalie, Nat- Nat- can you just... Come on. Uh, I'm going to start going to read this by... Uh, what, what John says, he comes through the door, 
and I can do these not in your spirit. Because if you look at verse 2, he says, immediately, after the voice says, come up here, he said, I find myself in the spirit, I found myself in the spirit. Now, as Christians, we are given the Holy Spirit without measure. And I think it's very important that we develop, develop our relationship through uh, the Lord Jesus with the Father and then the Holy Spirit can flow through us and he will lift us up into heavenly places. Heaven is now open mm. to us. We were called to dwell in heavenly places and that's the place to worship in heavenly places. And this, this area now, because every one of you is a born again believer and every one of you is filled with the Holy Spirit is a holy place Hallelujah. God, you're in a holy place so worship him he's worthy Jesus is worthy Amen, Hallelujah. Amen that's brilliant, and that's how we know that it's a real place because he wasn't in the spirit until verse 2, so thank you, that's brilliant yeah um, leads it on really well from that actually is, is something that I just want to highlight about what um, the elders and the living creatures are saying when they're worshipping, the kind of words they're using and the kind of focus that there is. Um, now, this isn't to like, stand up here and, and disregard a lot of worship songs because I love a little poetic you know, worship song as much as the next person. Um, but is anything that is said in heaven in worship to God about the self? Is it about the creatures? Is it about the elders? Nothing. It's about him. He's worthy. It's about bringing him honour. By you, all things are created. All things exist. You are worthy. You were who was and is and is to come. It's not... And there is a place for this. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. There is a place to hold on to the identity that we've got in Christ. To sing about the victory that he's given us. To sing about the comfort he brings us. To sing about um, how we feel about him. That is... It has its place. But if it's all we ever sing, we've lost what worship really is. Because worship is saying, God, you are worthy. God, you deserve the honour. And through that, God ministers to our spirits and God gives us comfort. God reveals our identity in him to us on a level that we can't even put into words. We We don't want our focus to be, thank you for who I am in you. We want our focus to be, You've done it. You are worthy. And then the other stuff comes. Um, yeah. I hope that's, that came across as I meant it. <clears throat> I'm going to read from he- Hebrews 4. Just to make the last, the last point, really. We've got this amazing throne room. We've got this wonderful saviour, this lamb in the centre of all this worship. We've got this God... He was and is and is to come. We've got this throne room that in these days was so protected, so risky. But Hebrews 4.14. Since then we have a great high priest. So remember the only people that could go into the Holy of Holies were the high priest once a year. The, the book of Hebrews talks a lot about Jesus being our high priest. Um, and what that means... Probably what that meant to me for many years was not a lot because I didn't understand it. 
Um, but when you understand who a high priest was and how important he was for, for a nation and the people of Israel um, and what the kind of criteria was to be able to be a high priest, and when you, if you've got that context, this, it makes a lot more sense. And obviously the people that read Hebrews were Jewish people, so that's what they knew. So that's why the writer of Hebrews is, is um, coming at it from a kind of Jewish perspective because that's who his readers would have been. So if you're not sure what the word, what high priest really means, what the connotations of that are, I encourage you to go away and, and, and look into that more uh, because it brings this verse to life even more. So... Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So Jesus is our high priest. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This throne that is scarily wonderful is the throne of grace that we can come to in confidence, knowing that we may receive mercy in our time of need. Put the two truths next to each other and they make each other even more wonderful. Can you imagine being born 4,000-ish years ago, being in this generation that put all your hope in one man, once a year, you probably possibly didn't even know him. There's quite a lot of people um, roaming around in the desert together. No guarantees he'd even survive that experience. And he was your only connection to, the, to God. I assume you knew who God was if you were roaming around in the desert with the Israelites. And they got it wrong a fair few times. But either they would have been there when God... Um, set them free from Egypt, or it would have been their parents and they knew about it. They probably would have experienced some manna, um, fire of, um, a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night to lead them around. They kind of got this sense that God is real and he's powerful, but your only way of actually connecting with him was through this high priest once a year. Da, 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 da. We're so privileged now... That Jesus is our high priest and we can go whenever we want to worship and glorify our God. So when we come to that place, when we come to adore him and tell him he's worthy and tell him that we love him, we are stood in that same throne room of the king of the universe. And so we're going to spend some time um, doing that this morning. Um, we're going to have uh, some sung worship. We, I sent a song around yesterday and we had it playing earlier as well, which... Um, draws on some of the truths in these scriptures um, and it's just a really uh, some, I've been listening to it on repeat really, but it's a song that helps us enter into that throne room but I encourage you just to spend some time focusing on who God is give him the glory in your heart through your songs, if you want to dance dance, if you want to reflect, reflect, that's fine, however you want to worship God but let's enter in let's, let's approach with confidence because Jesus has done it all and has made that way for us so I can hand over to my lovely husband to lead us in that song that'd be great. Brilliant.